Is everybody ready? Let's get rolling. This is The Big Show on 97.5-1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. It's The Big Show. Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. We're going to talk to Frank Dolce coming up here momentarily, our Ute insider here on The Zone Sports Network, former Ute quarterback. Uh, of course, he joins us weekly during the football season. Gordon also has been a part of our pre-half and, or our post-game, pre- and post-game coverage for college football and uh, the Utes for the past couple of years. Looking forward to talking to Frank. We'll get his opinion on college football and uh, the Utes in particular. And they, like I said, they they landed a commit from a big-time running back over the weekend. Yes, they did. And uh, I think overall, their recruiting the last couple of years has been the best they've ever had, at least according to these recruiting services and uh, think about uh, the success that the Utes have had in the past with having lesser so-called evaluated recruits and so once that coaching staff gets a hold of them then then that's good news for them. You would think so and that was kind of the idea what we were excited about when the Utes first joined the league right was seeing that development with higher uh, you know better recruits uh, better that, and that's definitely happened Jake I agree I don't think anybody yeah nobody disagrees with that yeah I, I agree I think these Utah teams have have moved to a different level maybe not than the kind of the one-off instances uh, back in the day like the old four Utah team and the 08 team for that matter too I mean there was Tons of NFL talent on those teams. I mean, those teams were great. But what Utah has been able to do now is more consistently produce those types of teams. I don't know if Utah's team last year was more talented than the 04 team, but it's more consistently good. Does that does that make sense? Am I making or am I talking yeah. in circles? Yeah, it makes sense. And it's also how many times have you heard a coach say, well, our number ones are pretty good. We can play with anybody, but our number twos, not so much. Right. And then when someone gets hurt or there's some sort of adversity faced, then you're, you can't uh, you can't keep up. But the Utes seem to have uh, filled those gaps nicely. Yeah. So I mean, it it definitely is the the evolution of the program up there, and uh, certainly Coach Witt deserves a lot of credit for continuing uh, to develop players at a really astounding rate. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, and when it does come time for Coach Witness to step aside or retire or however he chooses to go, I mean, it, it'll be big shoes to fill. And why I think a lot of people were hoping that Utah could uh, hire internally whenever that day comes, but I don't know about now. I don't know if that's the case anymore. When did when did their their pipeline to Florida begin? I know Kalani was down there. It was and, Erickson. Uh, Erickson, yeah, Erickson really opened those doors, and it seems like now it's continuing. Um, and why wouldn't it? I mean, if I'm if I'm a kid in Florida and I'm not getting top uh, sort of treatment out of Florida, Florida State, uh, and and Utah came knocking on my door, I'd I'd say, oh gee, uh, okay, there were a couple of guys from Florida that made it to the league uh, this last year. Maybe I'll give that a whirl. You know. Well, what it is is is. I would guess here, Dennis Erickson uh, made some intros to some coaches down there in in Florida, and we know that. And Utah has taken those players that they've gotten from Florida and, you know, helped them succeed. So those coaches down there probably have a pretty strong relationship with with Utah because 
uh, they've lived up to their promises they've made in the past. So yes. uh, I guess a lot of that has to do with reputation down there. And yeah, I bet there were uh, eyes from coaches on Tyler Huntley's uh, success at Utah and, and Zach Moss and others. Yeah. So they probably got a pretty good rep down there with a couple of coaches. Yeah, you would think so. And now they're they're taking advantage of that with this uh, it's a Parks kid, right? That's who you're referring to. Correct, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, so he's a three-star. I, I don't know what to believe with these three-star, four-star, five-star. You know, I the Utes seem to have done really well with three- and two-stars uh, in their past. So uh, I still remember that. Wasn't it, wasn't it Barry Switzer who said, or who was it who said that the Utes didn't have any players who would be a star? It was Barry Switzer. Alabama, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. That didn't that didn't turn out so accurate, at least not in the results of that game. Well, the stupid part about the the star system is, if you think about it, like is you if is USC landing all these four stars or are those recruits four stars because they're being recruited by USC? Yeah, that's a good point. I don't I don't know because I've never really gotten into that game as far as uh, you know. Well, and and honestly, if if you is, those websites are kind of a uh, um, hit and miss because of the way that their their business is structured. So a lot of them giving those evaluations, there are a lot that are very very good. Don't get me wrong, yes, but there's also a, there is also a bunch of them that are very unqualified to be making that determination and get caught up in things like, well, USC is recruiting them, so he must be good. Mm-hmm. All right, uh, let's get out to the sprint special guest line. Uh, Sprint, they make it safe and easy to get what you need online. Visit Sprint.com for online services and local store availability. Of course, he's a former Ute quarterback. He's our Ute insider right here on the Zone Sports Network and our good friend Frank Dolce. Frank, hello. How are you? Hey, good afternoon, guys. It's uh, nice to catch up with you. You've been on my mind through these crazy days, and uh, you guys are doing a nice job of trying to keep every everything in line. Well, thanks, Frank. Frank, uh, Frank I, got a, that. I got a question for you. We were just talking about the star evaluation uh, process. Did you, when you were being recruited, did they have stars back then? They may have. If they did, I wasn't. I wasn't aware of it, and I'm. I'm not sure I qualified. I mean, I don't know that I had a star attached to my name. So, um, it, when way back when it. As you well know, it was a completely different process. And uh, things like social media and communicating through text messaging and other platforms, not even a thing. So, uh, and, 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 you know, film on guys was super, super limited. I think it was just kind of the beginning of that whole recruiting thing turning into what it's become today. So... It was a it was a much more organic process when I was going through it. Frank, one more quick thing before we get to uh, the Utes and uh, the coming, hopefully, college football season. Do you think it's justifiable that Gordon had his daughter cast a Heisman vote one year? You know, I typically, I typically side with Gordon. Like, so let me just preface it with that. I I typically side with Gordon. And, and so I'll say that if he, if he had his daughter and I, and I'm sorry, I don't know the backstory, but if he had his daughter cast a vote for him, 
then I have to believe there was some extraordinarily good reason for him doing that. It wasn't like I believe that that vote to Gordon is meaningful and and significant, and that he wouldn't just he wouldn't just out out of the blue dismiss it without some really solid foundational sort of argument. So when you ask the question, the, my first thought is, well, no, I don't think it's right to pass along your vote to, to your daughter. But, but then I know Gordon, so there must have been an extraordinary reason. So he, the way he explained it to you was uh, somewhat uh, off Accurate, yeah. target. Uh, I had my daughter do some research. Obviously, I was watching football all season long, but I asked her to do some research as far as statistics and that kind of thing, and she did some of that legwork. That is and then, not how then, it happened. <laughs> then I had final say on what the vote was, so Jake is, is stretching it. Yeah, that's what I thought. It would be something completely reasonable like that. So It's not. I mean, lots of these guys have research assistants. You can't, you no, can't they just don't. go in there. <laughs> <laughs> Probably. <laughs> All right, Frank. Let's let's talk about uh, football here for a second. We were talking about this um, uh, this kid from Florida, the running back uh, Parks from Florida, that the Utes uh, got a commitment from over the weekend. Talk about that Florida pipeline that they've established and uh, why that's been successful. It's not unlike what Ron McBride did when he when he stepped on campus as the head coach. Uh, he it, it, that that pipeline still exists today and and you know that's the that's the um the guys with uh, polynesian descent and the guys from the islands and and that was something really important to coach mcbride is to get that talent to salt lake city and so he focused on that and and that is that's talent that's carried this program and it's talent that is that continues to be cultivated today uh dennis erickson like you mentioned is a person with the ties to Florida, he built the trust with the guys in Florida. And and by the way, those guys from Florida have come here, and and not only have they been successful at the University of Utah, those guys have gone on to be successful at the next level in in the NFL and and maybe even in the CFL in some some cases. So so there's a lot of trust that was built with with coach Erickson and then with the success those guys had here have enjoyed here and coach Whittingham has done a fantastic job of just continuing to keep that pipeline open so you know it took you know it's like everything it takes one guy to kind of to start it and then the genius part of the genius of coach Whittingham is that he he knows how to, to maintain that and keep it keep it open and keep it alive. So hopefully the Florida thing for Utah will, will keep producing those benefits. So, Frank, uh, you, you paid me a nice compliment there, and I got to pay it back to you because I generally agree with you as well. I think, and, and since I trust your judgment, let me ask you the tough question. Based on what you know about COVID-19, and what you know about the fact that the NCAA or, or the FBS still doesn't have a, a coherent kind of coordinated testing process in place. 
And based on what we've heard out of programs like Clemson, do you think college football will go on this fall as so many people hope it does? I I think college football will will go on. Uh, it, the, the, the difficult thing for me in in all of this is I don't know and and I try to I try to follow lots of different news sources um, I don't I don't know that there's a consensus on the medical in the medical community about a lot of this stuff and that's bothersome that's that's bothersome to me I, sh- I think it should be bothersome to lots of people because there are too many questions surrounding whether this works or whether that doesn't work and if this is going to happen and if it doesn't happen and you know we we get it seems like we get conflicting reports every day so i'm i'm hopeful that college football will will figure it out i think college football will figure it out but um i you know just i think we we also have to err on the side of of caution and and take into account the the, the, all of the lives that are that are going to be affected by it. So, and and I look at I look at golf, and and I, I still think we're so early in this thing that that maybe it's a little we're, we're a little more on the you know easy to panic side. But I look at golf, and that's a that to me that's like a perfect setup for for a sport reopening because you kind of naturally have this ability to to socially to be socially distant and and stay away from each other and make sure you're, you know, limited, you know, kind of touching things that other people are touching and all of this stuff. And even with that, they've had several cases pop up. To me, one of the encouraging things is that the people who are affected, uh, whether it be, the guys that, you know, the football players at Clemson or the golfers on the PGA Tour, this seems to be a group uh, in, in age range, a group of individuals that are much more resilient and don't necessarily suffer the very severe effects of the virus. Um, and, and, and hopefully that's, hopefully that's a good thing. And maybe over time, We'll discover that that you know there is this resilience in the in this in the mass significant portion of the population. So I know that's a long and and, and probably jumbled jumbled answer, but I think college football is going to figure out a way to get to get back, and maybe with a limited schedule and and probably with a limited amount of people watching the game live. Um, and, and I'm also hopeful that, you know, as a kind of society, community, medical expertise, we can, we can kind of start dialing it in. It feels to me like there's, there's reports, very, varied reports all over the place. I just don't have a great sense if, if there's real consensus in any community. Who's your favorite in the South this year, Frank, if we're able to play? Well, that's a good question. I, I'm going to put uh, – I, I think Utah has a good shot of being up there. Uh, I, I really like 
um, what's happening at Arizona State in terms of their recruiting, and I think those guys have have figured have have figured something out. And uh, and I, I I keep going back to it, but but Herm Edwards was was you know people were scratching their heads about Herm Edwards when he came in, and all of a sudden maybe he has figured something out at at uh, at Arizona State. So I think the Sun Devils are going to be a I think they're going to be a problem for people. I'm not high on UCLA. I don't know if Chip Kelly has the whatever he had when he was at Oregon. Uh, I'm not super high on on Colorado, although I like, you know, I think I like the direction. Um, you, ha- I, 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 I think you have to put USC right up there be- just because the 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 talent available and and that I I just don't know if they always if they've gotten the best out of that talent under the current coaching staff but but that's a lot of talent and talent wins a lot of football games so and and Arizona I think is kind of a, a middle of the pack kind of group so I would be my top three would be would be uh, Utah ASU and USC in the South. Do you think then, Frank, that that Utah has that kind of uh, stockpile of talent that they can replace all those great players, especially on defense that they lost, and not really skip much of a beat? I I hardly ever worry about Utah replacing talent on the defensive side. I I think that's the supreme focus of that program in recruiting and and bringing talent to campus. And if they don't have the talent they need, then they go and steal it from the offensive side and put those guys on on defense. So I don't don't really worry about the defensive side. I, I will tell you this. My worry about the defensive side is what happened in the last two games last year because Utah got beaten up at the line of scrimmage. And we just haven't seen a Utah football team take losses that way, the way they did those last two games of, of last year. I'm talking about the you know, championship and the bowl game. So th- those were just, I think those were discouraging kind of, uh, th- th- those were kind of discouraging efforts. Um, but, but the scheme, the talent available, the, the recruiting in the, on the defensive side, I, d- I, don't, I don't often worry about that for Utah. I always in the past have worried about what Utah will do on the offensive side and what the game plan would be and what their what would their scheme be and how would they run it but but I think under Andy Ludwig all of those questions were answered last year and so the scheme is set there's there, there's there's plenty of talent at what I consider the most important position in a Utah offense is the running back because that the running back seems to manage the the bulk of that Utah offense and I like the quarterback situation right now and I think uh, I, I think those guys based on what I've seen and and what coach Ludwig has done with that that position group I feel pretty confident that uh, and in 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 an offensive line I think that's going to be improved I feel pretty confident that that group is going to be very productive. So, um, to me, it's not like Utah teams in the past coming into a, a season where you have some changes on the offensive side and you have some 
talent loss on the defensive side. I don't necessarily worry about the defensive side, and I feel much more confident with the leadership on the offensive side. So those two things combined, uh, yeah, I'm pretty high on on the Utes this year. Frank, thank you so much, as always, for jumping on with us, man. We really appreciate it. Glad you're well. Man, absolutely. Anytime. Hope to catch up with you guys guys soon and and uh yeah stay safe and stay well and let's see if we can't get this thing back up and running again thanks yeah, frank you too frank yeah thanks it's our friend frank dolce on 97.5 and 1280 the zone boy that love fest with you and frank was just nauseating nauseating, nauseating. I, I, I respect oh. the man what why is just that nauseating keep love oh yeah just respected so much this and that oh I can't Vomit. tell you how many times we've had Frank on, and he has hit the nail on the head with his analysis, in my opinion. Now, you might disagree with him all the time, and that uh, that wouldn't be unusual because you're a bit of a contrarian. I could tell you and, one time and, he didn't hit it on the head. I just uh, – you can respect Frank's opinion like I do, but uh, I don't need to, uh, like, verbally make out with him on the radio. That's not necessary. <laughs> is that really what I did? A little is that, bit. Is that – how so? A little bit. You and Frank both, though. It's all right. You guys like each other. It's nice. It's nice. It makes me feel good about myself. Uh, oh, coming up next, Alex Fahar from the Salt Lake go Tribune. Ahead, go ahead and play it, Austin. I'm waiting for it. 97.5 uh, and 1280. I, I need to hear it. I need to hear the drop. Yeah. Still waiting. I'd agree with you, Gordon, but then we'd both be right. Big Show, Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Want to remind you about our friends at Action Plumbing, Heating, and Electrical. Spring into action. Mention this ad and receive $33 off any service. Call today, 801-833-3333. That's 801-833-3333. Action Plumbing. Let's get out of the Sprint special guest line. Sprint, they make it safe and easy to get what you need online. Visit Sprint.com for online services and local store availability. He writes for the Salt Lake Tribune. He's Alex Behar with us here on The Big Show. Alex, how are you? I'm doing well. Thank you for having me. How are you? We're doing great, and we wanted to have you on the show for a number of reasons. And let's start here, because I know you've uh, done coverage on the NWSL tournament right here in Utah. I guess I'll I'll start off kind of a a broad question. What's that event been like? How's it going? Yeah, uh, the first first two games of the tournament happened on Saturday. Uh, I attended the the morning game between the North Carolina Courage and the Portland Thorns, two of the more high-profile teams in the league. Uh, it was it was great to be back at a live sporting event, but it was also strange because there were there were no fans in the stands. It was just media and some league and team officials. Um, so the atmosphere was was definitely different. But uh, it felt good to be doing my real job again after a few months. So, Alex, what did you make of the uh, the anthem situation in in that league and uh, the announcement uh, that I saw you tweeted out today that uh, essentially uh, athletes can do whatever they see fit to do and they can either stay in the locker room or they can come out on the field they can they can stand with their hand over their heart they can kneel they can do whatever right right yeah that's um, that is what the league announced. Um, there are some people who are who are already 
upset that the league kind of went that way. They think that it's really not um, it's really not the best solution, but everybody has an opinion. Um, yeah, so the there were two moments uh, during the game that players were pretty much um, they could demonstrate uh, in whatever way they wanted to demonstrate. Uh, the first was during the national anthem. Um, and at the game I was at, uh, there, were, uh, there was like one player, one reserve player from the North Carolina Courage who decided uh, not to kneel with the rest of her teammates. Um, and there were some coaches as well who were standing. Um, and from my vantage point, it seemed like everybody on Portland's side uh, was kneeling and all of the starters for both teams um, were kneeling as well. And then uh, shortly before kickoff, there was a time, like a moment of silence for the, the Black Lives Matter uh, the Black Lives Matter movement, uh, where everybody uh, knelt, um, including the referees um, and the coaches and everybody. So there was some confusion confusion as to you know when people were kneeling, when not, and and how some of the vitriol, at least on Twitter, uh, has come from. Um, but it was it was an interesting moment, and um, I think it's it's interesting that the league has had took the opportunity to make it available for players to do uh, whatever they want, um, you know, whatever they feel is important to them in terms of whether they want to kneel or not during the anthem. But uh, but they have said in in statements that the league as a whole supports the Black Lives Matter movement, and uh, and you know, there's definitely a lot of support uh, among fans and, and the teams themselves for that. Alex Vehar is with us uh, from uh, the Salt Lake Tribune. Let's talk about Major League Soccer for a moment, Alex, and tell us a little bit about their return plan in Orlando. Is it how similar is it to the NBA's plan? What's different? Uh, it's, it seems pretty similar to the NBA's plan. Um, they'll be the MLS will be at a couple of hotels. They're, they're doing the uh, the bubble concept, uh, whatever you want to call it, bubble village campus. The NBA has called it. So, um, you know, the whole league is going to be there. They're 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 doing it a little bit differently in terms of they're going to have a tournament. It's called the MLS's back tournament. Um, only the first three games are going to count toward the regular season standings. Everything after that won't count. But there are incentives for the winners, uh, for the winner, I should say, of the tournament. Um, if, you know, if you win, you get a, an automatic berth to the uh, CONCACAF Champions League tournament, uh, which is prestigious and everybody wants wants a, a shot at, at being there. So that was a good incentivizer. And there's also some money at play for, for whoever wins so um, that would be probably the biggest difference between the NBA and the um, and the MLS's plans. You know, Alex. Usually, I wouldn't ask this question of you, but I I want to ask it uh, right now because I'm curious to know with everything that's happened in 2020 so far. Curious to get your thoughts on what you've observed and what your thoughts are regarding both COVID-19 and the Black Lives Matter movement. Uh, a very broad question. Uh, so, well, um, in terms of the Black Lives Matter movement, it seems that, I mean, I, I am in support of that movement. Uh, I'm not black, but I'm an, I am a minority. Um, I'm Hispanic. Uh, both of my parents are not from the United States. Uh, they emigrated or immigrated here. Um, 
and they raised they raised me as a, an American, my brother as well, my younger brother. Um, but I stand firmly in in terms of um, you know just racial injustice is a bad is problem in our country, and uh, I would like to see a change. I think it's I think the movement and, and the demonstrations and stuff, and and even in certain cases some of the some of the not violence with some of the writing, I, in my opinion, was what well, I kind of felt that coming, like something like that was going to end up happening in order for people to really start to think about the issues that are at play and, um, and the, um, and hopefully start to make real changes at, at local state and federal government levels. Um, so hopefully that, that continues. Uh, but but yeah, it's 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 and it's been something that has affected sports. I mean, people, the players in the NBA are deciding not to not to go uh, to Orlando because they want to bring more attention to those movements. Um, you're seeing it in the NWSL. People are are kneeling for you know in support of that movement. Um, you know, and their their players are expressing their feelings. Um, you know, there was a player at uh, the the Chicago. Washington game last night uh, who during the anthem was you know got very emotional with one of her teammates uh, while they were kneeling so it's it's prevalent in 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 a lot of ways where it doesn't seem like it has been in the past and that seems like positive momentum um, in terms of covid that's been a struggle um, I'm doing a project with uh, one of my coworkers at the Tribune looking at specifically the Hispanic community and how they have been disproportionately um, disproportionately affected by the virus. And that has, you know, kind of taught me a lot about my own experience as a Hispanic person, um, one that is a privilege and um, I have middle-class parents. So it's difficult for me to relate to, um, to their struggles with it, but it kind of keeps me in check and kind of puts that puts my, my ethnicity in a different light, which I think is important for me as a human being. So um, hopefully that answers your question, Gordon. Yeah, well said. Alex, thank you very much for jumping on with us. We really appreciate the perspective as well as the information. Keep up the good work over there. Take thank care. You. Thanks for having me. Alex Behar from the Salt Lake Tribune. Uh, he's been uh, covering a bunch of stuff lately, Gordon, but uh, yes. on, the, uh, on the soccer beat. Yeah, and uh, and some of the stuff as far as the COVID nineteen and all that goes, the guys over there at the Trib have done a fantastic job. I think they need to get you uh, on uh, some, you know, other assignments. You're breaking up on me. Can Jay. we? Can we get? Can I we? Can't, I can't hear him. What about like Austin reviewing like movies or I can't something? Hear a, I can't hear a word. Maybe he's reviewing what is, TV shows. What, what is he saying? Let's give Gordon on the political beat. Get Gordon up there uh, lighting fires on Capitol Hill, huh? Do you do you understand the word? He, he is he speaking Russian? What is he? I, I haven't heard a word he said in the Nothing? last thirty seconds. Get uh, get Gordon covering the special legislative session, <laughs> yeah, city councils. Well. Let's get Gordon writing columns about the election night. <laughs> yeah. No. What about you could uh, you could do uh, uh, how about the religious beat? Yeah, you could do Kirby's job for a while. Uh, I'll let Kirby do Kirby's job. How about that? <laughs> you could contribute. Uh, how about political cartoons? 
Hey, now we're on to something. No, that would. How's your cartooning, Gordon? Probably not. Oh, man, that would be ugly. I marvel at what uh, guys like Pat Bagley can do. What about uh, what about being a photographer? Um, those guys are, are experts, Jake. I can't do that. I can take pictures, but that's not to say they would be any good. Okay. All right. I'm just thinking. What would you be good at? Me? Yeah. Shooting off my big bazoo on the radio? <laughs> yeah. Okay. Pretty much little else. Uh, all right. Coming up next, we've got the Not Sports Report. <laughs> you should have seen Austin's reaction right there. <laughs> Stay what? tuned. Uh, Maddox joins us at the top of the 5 o'clock hour, 975, 1280 The Zone. Nick Show, Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. It is time to get a winner for the Chevy Strong Play of the Game. Be caller 12 right now, 855-340-ZONE. Correctly identify the Chevy Strong Play of the Game announced by David and Pat this morning at 850. And you'll win a Zone prize pack. It's the Chevy Strong Play of the Game brought to you by your Rocky Mountain Chevy dealers right here on the Zone Sports Network. Time for the Not Sports Port, brought to you by the LHM Used Car Supermarket. Over 1,000 used vehicles and inventory. Shop online, lhmusedcars.com. Gordon, where are we going today? We are going to Argentina. Okay. So, Jake, let's say that you lived in, uh, let's say, Portugal, and you wanted to go to your dad's birthday party in Argentina. But you couldn't fly in because Argentina has banned people from flying in. How would you get there? Via FaceTime. <laughs> you just do it over the computer, huh? <laughs> Via well, Skype or whatever the kids are using these days. As you know, I am fascinated by these tales of people who do crazy things. Uh, and in this particular case... A fellow by the name of Juan Manuel Ballestero, he decided he did want to visit his father for his 90th birthday, and he couldn't get to Argentina via flight, so he sailed. He sailed there by himself on board his 29-foot sailboat. Now... It was supposed to take him 75 days, but it ended up taking him 85. He was supposed to make a stop along the way for provisions and whatnot, but the place where he was supposed to stop, I think it was uh, Cape Verde, would not allow him to do so because of COVID-19. And so he just powered on, and he made that journey by himself in 85 days. Man, that takes guts, man. That takes courage. Think about being out in the middle of the ocean uh, by yourself at night with who knows what. You know, storms or who, what, who knows what's going to kick up along that way. And uh, unlike that last story that I told you about someone trying to paddle across the Pacific unsuccessfully and ended up in tragedy, this fellow made it and made it to his dad's birthday party and Partied hardy. Just your your reaction feels unnecessary to me. 
What do you mean unnecessary? Like if he were sailing around the world to to save his kidnapped child. Okay. <laughs> but I, I think you can, I think, wish dad happy birthday across the planet. <laughs> I think a phone call would suffice in this case. Well, he really wanted to be there. And he, he made the trip. Uh, hey, this is old school, man. This is like Magellan style. Except for the boat he was in was considerably smaller, and he was by himself. No, this would this would this is the equivalent of you waking up uh, one uh, one day from a nap and going, you know what? I feel like a Seven Eleven taquito. I think I'll crawl there. <laughs> All right, which would you rather? You're the king of would you rather? Would you rather sail from Portugal? to Argentina by yourself or over at, uh, I don't know how long it would take, but crawl from your house to uh, the studio. Crawl. Oh, I'd take the crawling. You, I, the, well, really? Yeah. Crawl? One, one would crawl take, in a pair of shorts. One would take a couple of days. <laughs> one would take 85 or whatever. And I, if I'm crawling downtown, I'm not going to die at sea. I think it's going to take you longer than a couple days to crawl. Well, I don't know what to tell you. Still not dying at sea. (laughs) Okay. And still think like I could make that crawl in fewer than 85 days. Well, a tip to Juan Manuel Ballestero. All right. Chris Mannix joins us next. Stay tuned. 97.5 and 1280 The Zone.